Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our update for the week ending 19th of January 2024. In this week's Green Edge post, we're having a bit of a rant. Well, actually, Michael is about the shenanigans he's been experiencing in installing a home charger for his bright, shiny new electric car which he ordered in October and is still sitting in the delivery pound, awaiting the nod to get it over to Michael once he tells them he can charge it up once he gets it. Michael, tell us the story. Well, buying the car was jolly straightforward. Walked in, pointed my finger, wrote a cheque. The complication in part is dealing with your energy provider and your network provider not installing the charging point. Charging point, really quick and easy. Phoned up local contractor, is the approved Tesla installer. Came around within minutes, did a survey, installed it. Perfect. It's dealing with the energy provider who has to do a minor change to some of the electrical wiring. And then the network provider who are very reactive and responsive and have a dedicated part to their website, talk you through doing an online survey, take your computer, take the camera around, all this type of stuff. And they have to come around and change the fuse to upgrade it dead simple. What I can't understand is why one person can't do that. I also can't understand when you buy an electric car, there is an automatic trigger to DVLA that then informs the network provider and energy provider, which you might have given to your dealership, to put it on their system straight away and immediately to show them and flag potential demand, respond at this stage, rather than then you having to deal with multiple people. If you put these little barriers in, they, they aren't overly costly. They're just irritating. And if I count up the number of calls I've had and interactions with EDF, for example, with an energy provider, I'm up to about 10 because I follow up on a regular basis. Oh, you better fill in one of these forms. I've already done that. And doing it for the second, third and fourth time, you're thinking, yes, I know how your van can park in the street. I can give you a permit. Thank you. Irritating. I'll get there, but there must be a better way, especially as numbers ramp up. Because I was under the impression that a million EVs in this country would mean the process would be quite slick, smooth and easy. Clearly not quite the case. It is clearly the case, though, that with some EV car providers and some energy providers, they have a slick process. I'll mention Tesla in this conversation. Now I'll mention Octopus. Have good ratings from done little informal surveys of about 20 people I know who own EVs. And without being too specific, you've mentioned Tesla and you've mentioned Octopus there, but you're dealing with neither of those, are you? No. I'm dealing with a well-known Japanese car manufacturer who I've got a lot of respect for and produce very good cars. And I think will produce, in the end, some very good EV cars. Now, you live in a city terraced house, right? We're talking about home chargers here, but tell us about the options available to you to charge your new car in the wider sense. Well, there are... Primarily two things there. One is the general availability of public charging points. They might be in car parks, supermarkets and like. And then there are the lampposts. Now, lampposts can be converted into VV charging points if they are curbside. If they are abutting your wall or boundary of your property, it means the cable would have to go across the pavement. They don't allow those ones to be changed. What they can do, and what I've been lobbying my local council to do, is to put in what are called Trojan lances 
or curbside charging points where they just take the cable from a lamppost, run it under the pavement, and can probably put in about 15 charging points at regular intervals for all the parking slots. So no matter where you park, put your lance in, which is a big plug, put your cable in, and away you go. Council shows some interest. Three councils in London have done that, and I can't see why ours can't do that. Our local council has been very proactive and has installed uh, just around 400 lamppost charging points. So we're quite, you know, relatively speaking by many people's standards, well off. And if you go on ZapMap for all the little charging points and you go to West London, you can't move for charging points. It is like a hotspot in London and in the UK. We've got about five or 6,000 public charging points. And that is a lot by relative standards across the UK. I guess the dogs in the area will be delighted with all the Trojan Lancers. They might get a bit of a shocking experience if they go too close. Well, look, I guess the issue for most people with charging EVs is the split between private and public charging, isn't it? Let's get a feel for some of the numbers here. First, it's estimated that there will be over 9 million EVs on British roads by 2030. Now, at the end of September 2023, there were something like 41 million licensed vehicles in the UK. So that's roughly, very roughly, a quarter of the total forecast to be electric by the end of the decade. Now, also by 2030, the target is to have 300,000 public EV chargers up and down the country. Now, at the moment, we have a little over 50,000. So that's public charging points. But then there's the private charging points like the one you're putting in. And the latest figures for those, according to ZapMap, is that there are something like 680,000 private charging points, and that includes work-related points as well as home points. So at the moment, there are something like 13 private charging points around the UK for every public charging point. But a piece of research done recently by SMS found that only 5% of UK EV drivers are charging their cars purely at home. So that particular report concluded that substantial efforts are still needed to develop a robust public charging infrastructure and to achieve the government's target. But getting back to your current situation, Michael, with getting in your own charging point and all the toing and froing you're having and you're writing about in this week's post, you write this. While there are clear boundaries between energy provision, network provision and drawing power into domestic sockets, we have to wonder why the whole project can't be undertaken by one fully competent electrical contractor, properly approved, properly registered and properly audited. Now, this shouldn't be rocket science for most of the electrical contractors out there, should it? I think you'll find most competent electrical contractors who are already registered with multiple bodies can happily do that work. They're more than capable of doing so. And if I think of putting in an EV charging point, that would take something like four hours for two guys to do, to lay all the cabling, put all the bits of equipment in, and then do all the internet connection pieces to your smart meter and to your telephone so you can choose the best rates because you then get into this issue around what rate you want to charge your car at in terms of what you want to pay, pay per kilowatt hour. And it does vary quite dramatically, and also to allow the flow of electricity from your car into the house at optimum times. It all comes back to this systems thing we were hearing from Leah the other week, wasn't it, Leah Robson? It is. 
And a reminder that you can find this week's post together with the text of the letter Michael got published in the FT on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your usual podcasts. Well, here we are at the end of the second working week proper of 2024. And since we put on the Green Edge nose back again last week, we've had a few interesting conversations. We'll be writing more about some of those in upcoming posts, but let's end this episode with a mention of one of them, which was a catch up with Dee Halligan of Fourth CIC. Now, we posted on D and Forth in January of 2023, and there we talked about some of the things that Forth is involved in, including the British Council's Maker Library Network and a learning program for schools and universities called Fixperts. Michael, what did we get from the update with D? I think a continuation of where she was at, but the big messages for me that came across was this whole nature of developing competence through practice and finding ways to capture that practice to share with a broader community of people who want to achieve sustainability in the broadest sense. And D is obviously expanding the work they do. They've obviously got some good partners and new projects on the board. And so we'll be following with that with great interest. It's really practical, earthy stuff, which is highly applicable to, I think, to most communities. Okay, Michael, thank you very much. Time for you to get back on the phone to your energy provider. I can't wait. I am on their Christmas card list now as well. Dig joy. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights. 